Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of the Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour podcast and of the Covey Club, which is where you can come to actually work on reinventing yourself if that's what you want to do. And I have a great conversation today for you. If you are wondering why you don't see people who look like you in advertisements or on the runway or in fashion spreads, if you look at the high fashion catalogs that come to you and they're showing $5,000 items on somebody that looks like your daughter, I have someone who is fighting that and is trying to bring sensibility to showing women like us, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, um, not just as a token, but real women who look like us and who are still vibrant, who are still buying clothes, who are still shopping, who still want fashion and getting them out there into the real world. Stephanie O'Dell is the founder and CEO of Celebrate the Gray an agency that offers representation, consulting, education, and advocacy for women 40, 50 years and older. They work with brands to authentically represent the 50 plus woman with powerful visuals and narratives. You should go check her out at celebratethegray.com. And she has a wonderful background. She's a reinventor um, a couple of times and She's really on a mission to make us uninvisible. So here is that wonderful Stephanie O'Dell. So Stephanie, so fabulous to have you on the podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Good, so talk to me about your past and what you, what you grew up thinking you were going to do and <laughs> how you got there. And then we'll talk about what you currently do today and why. And um, you can just keep it fairly succinct. So, okay. Okay. Um, and if I, if I have more questions, I'll ask above you. Okay. It's so funny. You know, what did we think we wanted to do when we were little? It's um, when you look back, I wish I would have kept journals. Uh, God, I tell my 22 year old daughter, start doing journals. Cause I wish I could remember what I wanted to do when I was little. Um, but, you know, there is a common thread that once you kind of find your power path, as I like to say, you look back and you can kind of see some things that fall into place that that are um, similar. And I, you know, went to school thinking I was going to be a PE teacher. I had great PE teachers and I love them and they were my inspiration. And I took a marketing class and that was it. I fell in love with marketing and fell in love with um looking at why do consumers buy and what makes them buy. Um, I did stay in the fitness realm of things in the marketing side, uh, but I also worked in the customer service side. So I, I did all the training for a large health club company and really looked at the end user and the end user experience and really talking to the customer and understanding what the customer needed and understanding that that frontline person was very powerful in how we treated that customer and how that translated into satisfaction for that customer. So it's interesting how those things kind of all melded together. Had my kids in my late 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, and then in my late 40s, kind of had that moment of, I don't even know what I'm passionate about anymore. I really felt like I was put on the earth to raise two kind kids. And I felt like I was doing a good job of that. 
I had left my career and I kind of was, it was overwhelming to even think about what I was passionate about anymore. I had no, no idea. Um, and that I ran into a friend at a swim meet and she was like, Oh, I just, they're opening the first athletic store. You're our customer. Can I talk to you? And I went, I should get a job there. That sounds like a good fit for me right now. Um, So that was kind of my starting point. I got a part-time job. I was hired in the stock room and worked behind the scenes. But one day was they needed somebody on the floor. And I had done personal fitness training at one point too. So I really understood a woman's body. Uh, I had a grandmother that was a fashionista that spent you know, in the fifties, $1,500 a month on clothes. She just had amazing clothes and jewelry. Uh, I had lived in London for a while after school and had tried to get into the fashion industry, but wasn't able to. And so started helping women dress and understand their shape and give them back their power as their shape changed and made them realize, oh, my shape is still beautiful. I just, it's not what it used to be. And I don't understand how to dress it. So I spent about 10 years doing that with Athleta, Stitch Fix. I got hired with Stitch Stitch Fix um, and styled over 6,000 women in a period of about five years. Holy moly, you mean virtually? Um, Virtually in person at Athleta and I started my own styling business and started with, you know, friends and family. I, I had a love of it, but I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I just helped friends and then friends would refer me to friends. And then pretty soon people were like, how much do you charge? And I was like, how much do I charge? Oh, I, I can charge money for this. You know, it's that whole thing for women of putting value on what they do. So, uh, did that for a long time and, and loved it, but then had my older clients start saying to me, look, we feel invisible. The fashion industry's forgotten us. And that was my starting point for Celebrate the Gray. Uh, it was really, I started as a blog and the goal was to talk to a hundred women to figure out what the need was for a fashion line specific for the 50 plus woman. I really had the idea in my head of, I don't know if you remember Graminals from, I think it was Mervyn's that had this, that you know, they had monkeys matched monkeys tags. It was kids clothing, but I, you know, I saw women that they had their outfits. Well, I wear that with this and they didn't give themselves freedom to wear different things, but they didn't have any inspiration for it. So as they aged, they saw themselves less and less represented. So it was kind of, well, I don't even think I can wear that. And I don't, many of my clients would say, I can't wear that. I'm 50 or I'm 60 or I'm 70 or I'm like, well, where's that messaging coming from? Is that you personally feel uncomfortable or, oh no, I'm too old for that. So I just realized the visuals and the narratives were really what needed to change. There was fashion out there. It just was put on a 20 or 30 something body, tall, skinny. So somebody that was had gone through menopause or was older, couldn't even imagine themselves wearing it. But then when they saw it, we did in the beginning, I did some fashion shows for Athleta. And when they saw themselves represented, you know, a woman in her seventies that may have been a size 16, they realized, oh, I could wear that. I could go into that store. I mean, I had a woman after one of them email me, say, thank you so much. I never thought I I could go into that store. You gave me permission to go into that store finally. So that kind of is my evolution of how I got started. You know, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, the fashion industry and older women, because that is really um, one of the fights that I had when I was at Moore 
there was, and I think there still is, even though around the edges, I think it's getting better. It's kind of like Hollywood somewhat talking about accepting older women. Um, but that was always the problem is that there would be, you know, Mac would do one ad with Iris Apfel and then add more. We would go and say, great, you're doing older women. That's perfect. Let's, let's bring it to more. And they'd be like, oh no, we're not ready for that. Or, I mean, there were so many, you know, so many people, Michael Kors is telling me that women 40 plus were keeping his stores open during the great recession, but that he couldn't advertise to women 40 plus because then the 20 somethings wouldn't come into the store, which was old fashioned, wrong thinking completely. Right. And Super. where does that come from? Where did that come from? Why does it, and it continues Why, with more clothes because there weren't enough advertisers, not because we didn't have enough readers. We had 1.5 million readers. Yeah, I know. And I, you and I had this chat earlier and, and it just astounded me that it's been going on for so long and to have those conversations and where does that messaging come from? That's such the, that's the important question of it all, right? Where's that messaging coming from and who's directing that messaging? And at this point, it's outdated for all of us as we're living longer and healthier. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we have money to spend. You know, we are Absolutely. the most undervalued, underrepresented demographic. Um, and we're spending for ourselves, our partners, our kids. Um, our, you know, we're very loyal. We're a loyal customer, unlike the millennial. Oh, Gen X. yeah. They're on to the next thing. As yeah. soon as they see something new on TikTok, they've abandoned you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just outdated, you know, and I, I believe it's, it's perception versus reality. Um, right. And it's really our responsibility to be more vocal and visible about who we are and what we're doing and how old we are and not buy into the messaging of anti-aging. Um, you know, when someone asks your age, say your age, because then it starts that perception and reality start to get closer. Uh, you know, somebody that, that views the 70 year old, say a decision maker views the 70 year old based on their family history, the stories they're told or marketing they're served. So without that representation, it continues to be enforced that 70 is, <clears throat> excuse me, retired, sitting in a chair, not, you know, not starting a business. I have a great friend that's 74 and she's a fitness trainer and a strength trainer. And she found that in her late fifties. Um, so without those stories, it's very hard to be what you don't see. So it's all about re-education of decision makers and just wiping, you know, changing the age models and updating them. And unfortunately, and I don't know if you still find this going on, um, as you get older, they want to cover you up. It's the yeah. old yeah. cover these things up because the world doesn't want to see them. They want to cover up your arms. They want to cover <laughs> up your neck. They want to cover up your thighs, your knees. Your. It's like, okay, that is really not about dressing your age just covering yourself up. I mean, if that was true, we'd all be in a burqa by the time we're 70, right? <laughs> well, because... that's true. Yeah. I, it sounds me. Oh, I have to, I can't show my arms. I'm like, what right. do you mean you can't show your arms? It's like, well, I don't want someone looking at my arms. No one's, I always say, no one's looking at your arms first and foremost. And, you know, who is saying that to you? Right. And I always try to kind of direct, wear color, wear, you know, a V, bring attention to your face. Your face is your most beautiful feature. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So what do you find holds women back when they're trying to buy stuff for themselves as they get older? It's the things that are in their head that have been stuck there that they 
have not thought or rethought, right? Right. I mean, it's it's amazing to stand in front of a mirror with somebody and say, how do you feel? I'll always say somebody will put something on and they'll say, what do you think? And I'll say, what do you think? Like, how do you feel? And oh, but look at the, yeah, it's always to the negative. It's always to the thing they don't like about their body. And mine is always trying to redirect to what, look at what's so beautiful about this. Look at how it shows your hourglass figure or look at how it really enhances your, um, your legs, you know, showing, understanding what your feet, where your features, your best features are, your assets are and playing those up and not hiding your body. You know, we, we tend as we age to, to dress in baggy clothes because we think it makes us, you know, it hides things. In fact, it just makes you look bigger than you really are. I mean, I love putting somebody in a more fitted clothes and say, you just lost 10 pounds just by wearing clothes that actually fit you. Yeah, it's a weird thing. We definitely are directed in that direction. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, Celebrate the Gray and the visual issues that we have um, of not seeing ourselves represented. And you and I talked earlier, and one of my big issues is you'll see women like about 35 in a lot of these photo um, systems where people like me with startup businesses can go and get free photos. And then it jumps to 90. Yeah. And these, you know, it's, it's usually international looking women, very, very old with canes and, you know, cardigan sweaters. Um, But there's nothing in between. It's as if, 40, 50, 60, 70 doesn't exist. And I've heard this from Hollywood people too, is that when they're pushing um, or they're trying to sell uh, stories about women, 40, 50, 60, everybody says, oh, well, you know, we already have the Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda show, so we don't need that. It's like, no, no, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. But they don't understand it. And there's this gap. So how do you deal with that? And why did you create Celebrate the Gray? Well, Celebrate the Gray grew out, as I said, at the podcast, the, the blog. Um, and I just met these amazing women. And I had this aha moment of, uh, you know, the 90-year-old, the 80-year-old that was vibrant and living these full lives, it, you know, starting new ventures. And I I met one of them. This One of my favorite stories is I met this 70-year-old on the top of Sierra Buttes. I was hiking and I hiked up with her and I said, can I ask you, because in the beginning, I talked to everybody and anybody I could find, Target, Trader Joe's, Anthropology, anybody that really was, you could just tell was vibrant and living in her real skin and being authentic. And so I was talking to this woman and and I said, can I ask you how old you are? And she said, well, I'm 70, but my group thinks I'm in my 50s. And if they know I'm in my 70s, they'll put limitations on what I can do, what they think I can do. And I had this moment of, oh my God, you know, if I saw her in an REI ad, I would feel totally different about aging. And this is kind of one of my starting points in the story that, that happened that I was, became determined to, to update the visuals and educate the, the decision makers at brands to say, this is your customer. This 70 year old woman is hiking and she can be such a role model to the 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds and do an intergenerational ad. Here I was in my fifties hiking with a 70 year old. What a beautiful story, beautiful visuals that would be. Um, so were they into it? Well, the, you know, the big brands, I reach out to every brand in any brand I can think of, and I have not heard from them. So, um, 
no, you know, they're not into it at this point. Uh, they did, you know, they did have a beautiful, and this is what, to your point with the iris, they did have a beautiful woman that they featured in their windows, older woman that was so inspiring. And this goes back to how we can take our power back in our aging is I wrote to them and said, look, so powerful. I love that you're using older women. This is who I am. Celebrate the gray. We represent older models and influencers love to do a campaign with you. Talk about who the 50 plus woman is. Where is she? How do I reach her? How do I authentically reach her? You know, not just putting a one-off in a catalog or um, and one campaign, but really your visuals in your store, your your stories, your narrative, including words that would engage her and, and let her know that you're she's your consumer. Um, so the big brands aren't stepping up yet, and um, but the smaller brands, those are the brands that are starting to set up. I think I went off track in your question, but um, well, talk about some of the the smaller brands that you find are embracing this idea because you know. We still look at, I, I don't know if you say, well, you can't avoid them, the Medicare ads. Yeah. And they have, I forget the woman's name. This is, you know, Jane or whatever her name is, Irma. And she's in a little house dress and she's supposed to be like 65. Yeah. And it's like, I'm 66. I'm not sitting around in a little house dress with white hair <laughs> and waiting for my Medicare to come in. Like, where is this coming from? It's so, it's from another generation. That is not, I mean, yes, there are probably some people like that, but that's not the cutting edge of where we're all headed. We are living, I mean, there's a percentage of us that are going to live to over 100 and the generation coming up under us, they're saying it's going to be like 50% of them. Oh, really? Interesting. I haven't heard that statistics. Um, yeah, you know, that's the other uh, I, I'm sure you saw the sex in the city when they did the visual, the golden girls versus the sex in the city, that they were the same age. That Shocking. Time. That was yep. incredible. That was yep. so smart. I had no idea how, how things had changed so much. It was a brilliant idea. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, this, this idea we all as women have in our heads that what 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 looks like is all, like you said, based on stories what your past is looks like, what your relatives look like, what the friend, what your friends and family say to you. You know, one of the things that held me back in the beginning was my friends that told me, why would you want to do that? You know, you don't know how to do that. And, and then my own story in my head of who am I to think that I could open an agency and make any change in the age inclusion conversation. Um, so it's, it, those ingrained stories are the most difficult to get past. Um, and yeah, I, I, it was hard in the beginning to even give myself the permission to think of what right. was possible. Right. And so how did that go for you? How old is the agency and what are your wins? So the agency is, a. have been a licensed agency for going on four years this year. And you know, we back to the small brands, I, I kind of, um, that is our niche for sure. The, those small brands being started by the 40 plus woman that sees the importance of inclusion in the visuals, in the narrative, in the product, making sure they're talking to the end user, making sure they're building ambassador programs so that if women are really love a product, they can tell their friends and family, and maybe they can create a revenue stream for themselves. 
Um, so those are the brands that are getting it. You know, there's Avola, which is an oil, a face oil started by these two incredible women, one in their 40s, one in their 50s. Um, Bloomers Intimates is another one I work closely with that was started uh, with the mother and daughter, the mother in her 70s, the daughter in her 40s. Uh, just saw where they see need in the, the marketplace or they see lack of representation or they have a passion about a certain product or service that they just take it upon themselves to start their own business. And why not? I mean, we see that the numbers um, go up for older women in terms of success because they have a network. They already have the know-how. They also, they can't raise money, unfortunately. We're still at about 3% yeah. um, of females raising money. And then I don't even know how that breaks down among older women over 40. I think it's pretty dismal. But well, I think, a yeah. lot of us can start our own age, our own businesses ourselves and have the money to fund them, at least to get them off the ground. True. Um, I mean, I think the other big problem for us as business owners is that we give away um, a lot for free. And, we're, and for me, especially, I know in the beginning, I was did that because I was so passionate about what I was doing that whatever I could do to help. Although you, you made a great comment. We were recently featured together in a piece and you said about um, helping people and being generous with your support. I forget exactly what you said, but um, it really inspired me to, because I was at the point of how do I create revenue off of all these connections I'm making? And you made some comment. Do you remember what you said? You said, well, generally I tell everybody generosity. to be as generous yeah. as you can, because it doesn't come back to you in an obvious way, but it, I can tell you for sure. I have found that making connections, supporting people, helping people, whatever it is, it boomerangs back to you at some point. It may not be tomorrow, but it definitely boomerangs back. Yeah. And, that doesn't mean that you should deny yourself revenue if you have a business. That That's what, one of the things that you have to be very careful about. But you do, you do have to get paid for what you're worth. But all those other things that you can do, you can do them for, for generosity purposes. And you'd be shocked at how it comes back. Yeah, no, I, that was important for me to hear because I literally had been working with a business coach that weekend talking about revenue streams and I love connecting people. And I was trying to figure out how to put a dollar on that. And I, and then I read what you said and I said, why am I trying to be inauthentic of who I am? Because that's just who I am. And you're right. It does come back. I'm a strong believer in you get what you give. So, um, and people are very, those people that are uh, worthy of your generosity <laughs> will show their you know, show who they are and those people that are unworthy of your generosity, those come too. So yes. And it and and yes, and it works both ways for yeah. sure. So and um but again I, I do think you're right in that a lot of women in general have a hard time putting a price on all the services we perform for everybody because we have performed free services for generations, yeah. for families, we're not used to being paid. It's not something we grow up thinking about, right? Yeah, We do all this unpaid work. It's the history of females in the world. So we do, we do struggle and we do have to learn to put a price on certain things. But yes, you can be generous with other and, things. And I, you know, talking about reinvention and starting 
something you don't have all the experience that needed is needed. I the the amount of generosity I received in the beginning and I continue to receive um, is something that is probably if somebody asked me what's the thing that has surprised you the most, that would probably be the thing that has surprised me the most. The amount of generosity and the amount of support um, for the work that I'm doing and the the business I'm building has really surprised me. And I will tell you the exact same thing. And I didn't get any generosity or support really when I was in corporate life. You nobody was nobody was helping you out. <laughs> nobody was giving you free anything. Oh, people just wanted something from you, right? They wanted yeah. visibility. They wanted a story. They wanted whatever. They were not giving you really any kind of free anything. If they if they did, they wanted something in return. But I do find, and it's absolutely true, that when you go out there as an entrepreneur, no matter whether you've you've done it before or not, people are there to help you. And they are very generous in giving you some runway to do barter and to help get your business up and rolling if you need their services with the idea that you might use them later. And I find that particular with women. Do you? Yes. Um Definitely. And I think the older woman, to be honest, um, although I yeah, probably, no, I, I would say the older woman, I had some experiences early on with um, working with a, a startup brand that the, the motivation behind it was financial and not um, really building space in what they were doing. So um, yeah, I think that the, the 50 plus woman and I'm, you know, I think 40 to 50 is a big jump. There's there's a lot that happens between your 40s and your 50s. And yes. in your 50s, you you may have raised kids, you may have left a career, you've gone through menopause or going through menopause. Um, and there's just this more authenticity and the wisdom and the experience that you have. Um, and then you start building this community of support and you know, you, you want to give back exactly what you're saying. You, I've had such great experience. I want to give that back to women too and All empower right. women to think, oh, this is something I can do. I mean, there's nothing better than for me than somebody reaching out and saying, hey, can I have a half an hour of your time just to chat through something? And that's what's been really beautiful about this collective of women that we've built um, is just that support. And then the, that, that support that they start to give other women. So, you know, it's like, what's the, um, you treat, do unto others as others do unto you, but, Absolutely. but you know, um, that generosity, your generosity to me gives me the opportunity to be generous to somebody else. So, yes. Yes. And that's something that we should all think about too, is when someone is generous to you, then pay it forward. Yeah. And that's something that women have to do more of for each other, because a lot of us have been taught to actually fight each other because of scarcity of positions for women that are meaningful. So if we throw that overboard and say, no, we are going to do more together than we are opposed to each other, we always win. That's that's just yeah. been my experience. Some people took advantage of me. That happened. But um, in the end, I was true to myself. I'm a connector like you. That's what I like to do. And amazing things happen because of that. Let's talk a little bit about the visual of what women 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 look like today, though. 
in advertising and things. The women that you photograph and that you are putting out there to represent things, what's new about the look? What's new about what the listener here should know about what women really look like at this age? Because I've had terrible time convincing people that, you know, mid 60s doesn't mean you're necessarily running around with white hair and little cardigan sweaters and slippers. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. If you are, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. Well, I think it's hard when we don't see that visual. I just, in fact, the New York Times magazine, this I, month is women's fashion, or this week, um, this last weekend, and it's just sitting right next to me right now. And I went through it every single ad is a 20 year old and you know this is all very high-end fashion and they're the worst I hate to say it they're the worst <laughs> they're the worst I look at those catalogs that would come from Bergdorf Goodman and everything I'd be looking at the cover and I'd be like is this for my daughter right or is this for me and it's like a five thousand dollar outfit it's like oh it's supposed to be for me but they put it on my daughter why is that yeah. So it's very difficult to be where you don't see. I think I said that earlier. Um, so the best place for women to kind of seek out those positive, powerful images is on Instagram. Um, Pinterest. I don't use Pinterest a lot, but Instagram. I mean, I started Celebrate the Gray. I, I actually started by putting an ad, uh, a, list, a listing on Craigslist looking for gray haired models. And that was my how I started getting models. Because I had a, a friend that had a small brand that was looking for models, couldn't find them, couldn't afford them They were, if they were with the big agency, and did I have somebody? So that was kind of my starting point after the blog. I had, you know, interviewed 100 women, and many of those trans transitioned into the modeling side of things, but um, I still needed models. But, you know, without seeing that person, and I was seeing a lot of them on Instagram, and I reached out to tons of people on Instagram. Um, but the inspiration for how can you dress, you know, start wearing color. Many women will start dressing in gray, tan and black. Um, right. And I almost think it's to draw attention away from, right. you know, it, it, I say they want to like, be invisible. They want to be invisible or they think they have to. That's the story right. they've been told. Right. But uh, because you don't see another woman that's wearing color, um, right. it, you feel like you don't have permission to do that. So Instagram is a great space to really get inspiration, see women with gray hair, see women, you know, how do you do your makeup when your skin has wrinkles? Um, how, what kind of clothes can you wear when all you see is the 20 something in the clothes? Right. So Instagram is a great inspiration um, for that for women. And I would encourage women to look there. But you don't subscribe to the fact that you have to have gray hair as you no, get older. No, You mean that sort of as a catch-all? Celebrate the gray is the gray of aging. So, okay. But gray hair is really the first thing we're told as we age, you need to dye your hair so you fit into what society deems beautiful. Right. And hair is such a big part of us. You know, we're told we got to cut our hair when we age. You know? Oh God, I hate that one. Oh yeah. my God. And there's a beautiful model, Michelle West. She's part of Celebrate the Gray. Great Days Ahead is her Instagram handle. And she's my inspiration of long gray hair. I, you know, have never dyed my hair. Um, I'm slowly going gray. But, you know, I always thought oh, I'm going to have to cut my hair when I get older. But I saw she has long, beautiful gray hair. And I, 
And it's always been associated with, you know, being a witch or being elderly yes, and gray right, and frail. Right. So seeing her is just like, oh my God, that's who I want to be. So if I hadn't seen that photo of her, I would still be living in that thought of, I've got to cut my hair at some point. It's got right. to be short at some point. And where does that, where did that come from? I know my mom has short gray hair. Um, and, it, you know, it's historically, it's come from some, some visual somewhere that that's what we were served. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think the, the, I, I'm guessing if we followed it all the way back, it goes back to sexual availability, mm. which is that long, beautiful, yeah. lustrous hair was to lure men. And now that you're past that point, eh, yeah. why do you need it? Take yeah. it away. Cause we don't want to mistake. The men should not mistake you for, for being, you know, sexually available at this point. I, I hate to say it, but all the advertising goes back to sex and it all goes back to attracting men. So yeah, completely that's the sad part. So Steph, as we're at pulling to the end of this conversation, tell us what um, one or two, you know, sort of tips or tricks you would suggest for women who are trying to do something similar to you, who are trying to follow a path that they didn't know that they would have at this age, but feel that they really want to do. What would you suggest that they, they think about? Well, I know in the beginning, it's hard when you have an idea and you're even afraid to say it out loud. Um, yes. And so one is put it out in the universe is first and foremost, and just see what starts happening. And if the if you're not getting the response that you feel genuinely um, gives, compared to you believe in this so much, you know, start finding a community that supports you. And that might be a online community. Um, there's many like Covey Club, there's many great places to start building that community, start getting that advice from others about how to move forward. Um, and, and, you know, one small step is a step. Don't worry. Yes. In the beginning, people will say, how are you going to monetize that? And what's your business plan? And I was oh, like, Oh God. Oh God. And yes. it was, it would stop me. I'd be like, yeah. well, I don't know, but I just know what I'm doing feels right. It's right. people are really responding to this conversation. Right. So I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, you know, the business side of things for me was not something I'm super comfortable with marketing and big idea thinking and connecting people and speaking, but the financial side, the business side of business was foreign to me. And something I was like, I have to become an LLC. I have to get insurance. Right. What, you know, I have to learn quick, but you know, all that stuff was so overwhelming. I started taking the small business classes, oh. um, the SBI, I think it's small business association or SBA in SBA. every, every city, there is a SBA that you can go take free classes, online classes, and just to get just to be able to start to understand how to open a business, operate a business, um, make sure that you are compliant um, so you don't get in trouble. It, it, that stuff can be so overwhelming that you don't start. So yes. um, there are resources to help you do that and it becomes not so overwhelming. Great. Stephanie, thank you so much. Where can everybody find you and where can they find Celebrate the Gray? Celebrate the Gray is celebratethegray.com with an A, gray with an A. It's the American spelling. British spelling is with an E. Uh, and I'm on Instagram, Celebrate the Gray. Um, 
people want to reach out, they can reach me through my website or through Instagram. I respond to all my DMs that I get. Uh, and it was just such a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me here today. Thank you, Steph. We'll talk again for sure. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope that it's helpful to you. And I hope that you can see what the issues are out there that maybe you didn't see before for getting visuals of women like us out into the mainstream. We are fabulous looking. We, there's just a gap, <laughs> you know, there's a, there, there are people out there between the age of 35 and 70, and we are fabulous looking. We don't look like what you think we look like. And so you may be missing it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that you will uh, join the podcast, follow us and subscribe. And if you're really digging deep into your own reinvention, come on over to Covey Club, see all that we have to offer. We have courses, we have pods, we have live get togethers, we have guides, we have essays, we have uh, classes that we teach twice a week from a curated experts who know all about reinvention and it is a wonderful place to come and learn and to grow and change with women who care about doing that with you as we say we hold a space for you while you figure out what's next so until next time it's leslie jane seymour for cubby club i'll see you then